And we welcome you inside another edition of the Hoopball Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Comente here with you, alongside, as always, the incomparable, the all-knowing Jill Adge. And then joining us on our Friday show, we have a very special guest, a funny man. He's uh, a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer uh, for Real Punk News. He's the host of a podcast himself, the Hard Talk podcast for Hard Talk, Hard Times Podcast Network. Uh, that rolls out the tongue, Johnny. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, and he's got, don't be sorry. And he's got some shows going on tonight. Uh, our guest is, I just said his name, but he's a, he's a sack guy, a big Kings fan. And he's going to be doing um, some shows tonight in Sacramento. If you're not watching the Kings game, which I wouldn't blame you if you weren't, you can go watch Johnny either at Luna's Cafe at 8 o'clock or then he's opening at 9.30. He's going to be busy. Uh, he's opening at Harlow's. So Luna's or Harlow's this evening, this tonight in Sacramento. Our guest, Johnny Taylor Jr. will be there. Johnny, thank yes. you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, if uh, the Harlow show, you should be able to catch most of the Kings' uh, True. disappointing loss tonight, <laughs> <laughs> tonight and then uh, head over to Harlow's. For some uh, laughs to get us feel, feeling better. Oh, man. it's uh, The thing about the Kings this season, it's like they're 6-9, and nine, and they simultaneously seem better and worse than than their record. I don't know how you, I don't know how you do that, but uh, the Kings never fail to surprise me. Yeah, they are the best six and nine team in the league, as well as the worst six and nine team in the league, all at the same time. Yeah, it's it's just this ball of emotion, mixed emotion, and pain and misery. I like to say and pain you, and misery. You want to know what's almost more frustrating is you know how I'm always saying like just be average, like show show improvement, right? Right. And these last two weeks since November 7th, since we started our losing streak, right? They've been 18 in the defense of uh, defensive ranking, right? And yeah. I think it was 9- 17, 18, 19 for offense, which is good, right? Right. Like, right. I mean, that's that shows progress. Defense, like it, it bumped up because, right, the first, the first uh, stretch during those rough games, right? They were. But the problem is, is the teams that they're losing to, the bad teams, uh, Oklahoma Thunder during that two weeks two week stretch is number four in defense in the league, Oof. and uh, finished that two week stretch at four and two. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves three and four in that stretch, number fourteen in the league on defense. Like that, they're getting better, but they're still allowing their opponents to get the better of them right. as well. So it's it's kind of frustrating that you're seeing the numbers increase that you want to see. But yet, so is everybody else. <laughs> right. And so um, it's it's just frustrating as hell. But it's, part of that, uh... too, is their offense went from, like, top five during that stretch before to dropping to the late teens. And so your defense got better a little bit, but your offense completely dropped off. And so, again, we've yet to see this team play two halves. Or right. not two halves, but, like, both sides of – you know, both sides of the court. Um, and that's where it's, they're always doing one. Yay. But not the other. And then right. they switch over here. We got one, but not the other. Yeah. So one of these days, maybe they can figure out how to do the two together. <laughs> if you were to tell me that the Kings would be in the top 20 defensively, which I think they're right around there right now, I would have been like, Oh yeah, they're definitely going to be over 500, you know, at the very least over 500. Uh, so yeah, the Kings just come up with new ways to uh, make their fan base completely uh, <laughs> crazy. How uh, many games have you watched this year, Johnny? Don't don't lie I've, to me. I've watched maybe seven of the games, and I DVR all of them, so I'll do a little speed run <laughs> through on most of them. Delete that whole thing. Just go, yeah, go over it. Eight games. Just nuke them, them all. You don't want to go yeah. back. Yeah, the you know I honestly thought the Timberwolves game was one of the more frustrating games to watch. Uh, even when they were up by four at the half, uh, they were moving the ball so poorly. Yeah, and I was like, man, this is a miracle four point. So I was like, oh, maybe if the Kings play even average in the second <laughs> half, they can hold on to a four point lead. And uh, no, decided to get outscored by fourteen in the second half, and. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, and here's the thing, Well, it's not all on Walton and, you know, in the Tristan Thompson press conference, I mean, there's a lot of truths being told in that press conference, uh, but at the same time, is Walton the guy that's going to lead this team to the, to where they need to be? Probably not. No. I, I don't see a, I don't see a future 
in which, you know, there's a ticker tape parade celebrating, you know, the Luke Walton Kings doing anything. So outside of them getting that Warriors, (laughs) you know, if they had the Warriors line up back then. Um, Yeah. Outside of them, uh, you know, magically getting multiple all-stars and that, like I it's, you're not seeing it maximized, right? Like that's, yeah. Yeah. Right now it just looks like he's throwing everything at the wall. Right. right. Desperation. Like, uh, and and, you know, if Kings fans know anything, there's this devil, you know, kind of uh, situation with Walton where if people don't think it can get worse from Walton, it can. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's a challenge for him. Right. He so, takes that. He doesn't. He doesn't mess around when you know. If someone thinks it can't, he can't get stupider. He goes, "Well, watch this. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and have Marvin Bagley run the point and just right. piss everybody off." Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have no idea. And I mean, just keeping Bagley on the team at this point, and I get it. There's probably no market, uh, or the market's very limited. But having that toxicity and uh, on your team, it's doing nobody any good. You know, yeah, no, and it's Jill's yeah, got some opinions right on it. now. Well, no, and it's my thing right now is it's like I get they're doing this whole big thing on rebounding, but it's like they're ignoring anything else a player does outside of rebounding. Like, oh, cool, you brought in a rebounder, but he's not great at defense. So, like, you know what I mean? And I'm not just calling out one person. Like, it's all of our power forwards outside of like maybe met to, I don't necessarily want to throw him in. Um, but like Thompson is part of some of our worst defensive lineups, but right. he can rebound. So cool. Like, so, I mean, like I, I, it's just weird to me that it's like, Oh, we, you know, I'm only playing rebounders, but it's like, okay, you can't preach to me defense and I'm going to pull a guy out after a couple seconds because he missed an assignment or didn't play defense, but yet, you know, I'll play this vet who's making the same mistakes and doing things, but he can rebound. So, Hey, like, let's, let's, let's let it go. So like, to me, that's the part of like the accountability that like frustrates me is it's, you just see it with some and not others. And I get it because stars won't necessarily, or like your team stars won't necessarily get the same kind of treatment, but I don't know. I just think it's weird that, all of a sudden now it's it's the it's the rebounding that's that's causing us to lose <laughs> right 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 well the touch on that jill yeah luke's come out and said he wants marvin on the on the court because he can rebound and he wants to get the good rebounders out there however in these past two games that marvin's played uh, a decent amount of minutes he had five rebounds against minnesota and then he had three rebounds against detroit so he has eight eight rebounds in two games tristan thompson and in how last many minutes tristan sure. thompson last game alone had nine rebounds he had more rebounds than marvin bagley in just yesterday, last game. So right. yeah, the the rebounding thing. Re- Marvin is me. Yeah. is good at rebounding, but he hasn't even done that. And I don't even think that's the actual reason. I just think he's full of shit and doesn't want to admit but the that's fact. That's what I'm that, saying. Like, so it just falls on like deaf. Like it's weird, right? Like deaf ears. Like it's just it's bizarre. Weird. You could say you yeah. want more athleticism, and you want a little bit more of a scoring punch. Sure, because then even there, you know, you might not even necessarily see that so much as see that in the statue, but just you know, you can kind of feel it on the court that the team is better offensively really, or... it's not to me it's not even our bigs that weren't rebounding it was our guards yeah and they don't of course yes all. we don't have other wings but like i mean and it to me it, it was like i understand we had criticisms of harkless and all that kind of stuff and then it was oh he's sick right but he played through the last two games and he's been sick and all this stuff and then it was like and there were injuries right so again you're going to need him to do more than you normally do one, while he's sick. Two, while there's two other people out in Davis and, and Halliburton. Totally understandable. Players need to step up. Okay, but those players come back and then you're supposedly not sick anymore, but hey, you're out of the rotation completely. Not even like I'm not you know, going to cut down your minutes, even if you're throwing them in off the bench. Like you still can't even throw a defensive guy in there if we need it for maybe five minutes of a game when a team's going on a run or you can't throw Len in there when you're being dominated in the paint. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just weird to me that it goes from either you're in the rotation or you're completely out. Like there's Mm -hmm. no, I could throw you in, you know, I mean, and then like last game where they had um, uh, Carl Anthony Towns at two fouls within the first three minutes of the game. 
they did not go back inside at yeah. all after that. Like, I, I understand a coach shouldn't have to yell at you, like, to recognize that. But it's like, you also didn't put anybody in that's going to be going against him in the paint either. Like, once you took Holmes out, you put Thompson in. And, like, he wasn't really going at Towns or Reed. Like, maybe if you put Len in there, he could get a third foul. Like, I, I just think that there was things that, like, maybe you could have tried to maximize to get their best player off the court. Right. And, like, that wasn't. I don't know. Like we didn't see any adjustments made to try and capitalize those kind of things. And that frustrates me. You know, players coach everything like that, that how do you like not even trying to exploit it? <laughs> yeah. well, Go ahead, Johnny, please. We haven't, yeah. had, we haven't let you talk. I think, well, I think the, uh, I mean, the, the roster obviously remains not very balanced. Uh, where you've got you either got very big people or very small people for the most part. Uh, when you, you're running out Buddy and Terrence Davis, who are both 6'4", and they're playing a lot of minutes at that three, yeah, your rebounding's going to suffer for that, you know. And and Buddy's a good rebounder for his size, but he's in no way a good rebounder uh, in in con- the context of other you know small forwards. So. Uh, you know, you, 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 I think Walton's having a hard time getting both, you know, defense and rebounding because his roster is weird. You know, he's got a weird roster. It yeah. almost oh. was like a, a, a middle finger to the front office. Like, well, Hey, if this is what you're giving me, like, well, this is what I'm going to throw out there then. Yeah. Jill and I have said, <laughs> you're that not giving past. me any wings. <laughs> We've said that in the past, Johnny, if you remember when, um, Jaeger was the coach in, in like the preseason, he was running out five guys that were all like power forwards because that was, that was for sure a middle finger and like a statement to the office. Like, this is what you gave me to work with. And I don't know what you want me to do. They had said that those guys could play small. Yeah. He said, Marvin Bagley could play the three (laughs) and and stuff. That wasn't obviously true. Uh, And yeah, it's crazy that not much has really changed because they are, they mean, they have like four centers, four active centers every game. What other team does that? In this and modern don't NBA, even use them all, right? and then don't even. Like, I like Damian Jones. I think Damian Jones should play, right. um, especially on Wednesday against Minnesota. I think he could have been valuable against Anthony Towns, or at least you could have used him to, you know, draw, you know, use out fouls if you right. need to and have someone right. get in foul trouble. Have it be him. And that's where I have a hard time believing that he's not at least as mobile as a thirty-year-old Tristan Thompson. Oh yeah, he's but he's giving I, you side. You know what I mean? Like it's oh, but he's mobile and can't guard outside. Like I. Show that to me. Right. I mean, like at yeah. least he's adding more size, but he's he's the young body and he seems pretty mobile. Yeah, I get that Jones isn't uh isn't a good rebounder for his size, but he is mobile. You know, I mean, y- you watch him play, like if nothing else, there's gonna be, you know, effort rotating from him. Uh and you know, you, you see Tristan Thompson, and I mean, I know it's the eye test, and I, I don't have numbers to support it. But if you see that there needs to be a rotation, Tristan Thompson just stands. He's like, okay, I'm going to box out. And a guy's shooting a wide-open 20-footer. It's like, no, man, go go run out there, you know. But yeah, I get him. He's like, then who's going to yeah. rebound it, you know? <laughs> no, yeah, there was the one play where he yelled at everyone – because it was a long shot. And as Jerry Reynolds used to say, long shot, long rebound. It happens uh-huh. pretty much every time there's a long shot. And it was a three that back iron. Thompson was down in the paint and went over him. Buddy didn't react. No one else reacted. They ended up getting a second chance point. And then Tristan Thompson looked at him and like, what, you know, I think he yelled like, what are we doing? I can't there be. Were three I can't grab that stood there. Yeah. yeah. I can't be the only guy grabbing every rebound. Like, I don't know why I need to tell you this. I wanted or to like ask if, you though. Or if he blocks out his person and did his job, but the rest of you stand around <laughs> and like, don't move. Yeah. I mean, that's right. frustrating as hell. Yeah. Go get the ball. It, it's like watching sometimes, you know, YMC basketball. Uh, Johnny, I wanted to ask you, you, you mentioned the Tristan Thompson thing after the game, the post game spiel. That was probably the most epic rant we've had from a player in Sacramento. In quite since Demarcus Cousins would just say a lot of stuff after games, right? What did you think of it? Did you think that you are you okay with it? First off, that he would do that. that oh he yeah, would be that like lethal. I, I I like the fact that it was real. You know, it was. Uh, I don't know if you guys are pro wrestling fans, but it was almost like watching a a pro wrestler go off script. You know, and okay, and, and do a do a shoot interview when uh, 
you know, you're expecting them to say all the uh, all the right things of like, yeah, we just got we have each other's backs and, you know, we play for our coach. But the way he kind of went off the rails, I mean, I was into it. And think what you will about Tristan Thompson. He, he wasn't saying he wasn't telling lies. No. You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if he was holding himself accountable as much as he should be. But, uh, you know, there's no lies detected as far as, you know, if you need the coach to light a fire under you to 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 for effort then you're probably in the wrong business you know so yep. why yeah, it, yeah. no it i'm sorry like a, it sounded like a mike malone press conference honestly yeah. it very yeah, i mean he used why, to why do that to me, and everybody out i mean it was and then i listened <laughs> to him now he just got ejected you know from last night's game um but like they're they'll be up by 20 and he's still calling his team out after a press conference. Like, I love it. Oh, I mean, Bru- that's- <laughs> a different sport, but Bruce Arians uh, just said this past week about the bucks. Cause they got upset by Washington that I, he said, and I quote, we must be the stupidest football team that <laughs> can you imagine Luke Walton saying anything of that level? He would never do that because that's obviously not, not what he believes. Yeah. Not publicly. Um, it's not what he believes. It's not how he was trained. He played in the NBA. However, we are at that point where a comment like that is what I think this team needs. It was something why the reason why I always loved Dave Yeager, Johnny and Jill, I think knows this by this point. I liked him as a coach. Oh yeah, me too. He, yeah, he, uh, he's, he didn't cut, you know, he didn't beat around the bush. He was direct with these players. He told them what he wanted. He got on their case. He said, you know, I can't take you to this point until you understand this concept. And he took a roster that was not good. That was worse than the roster they currently have and played them at a way higher level than they're currently playing with Luke Walton. That's he coaching. He didn't force them to play a style that, right, that he no, admitted. No, he adapted like, to he, them. That's what I'm saying. Like, he admitted, after, like he said, I want to go A, B, and C, but I can't go B and C until you get A. And then he referenced, so I'm not just going to go out there and run you. The very next year, he went out and, you know, he ran them because he admitted, like, if they're not going to get this, like, at some point, he's like, it's been three years, like, you know, for some of these guys, like it's yeah. it's not going to happen. And so I'm going to utilize that talent to, to the level. I mean, and it's, yeah, we, we haven't seen that here. You know what I mean? Like it was always the, we got to do this because this is going to, you know, make us uh, hang around in the playoffs. And I get that, but like, we can't even get there in the first place. Um, yeah. And at that point, I think it, yes, it's coach. And yes, we all know it's roster. Like it's a mix, but I mean, one thing you can change right now, right? One thing, you know, you might have to wait until December 15th to change. Because right. I think Monty's, Monty's admitted himself the roster is an issue because he tried to trade. You know, he went for the big trade in the offseason um, that, that didn't happen. So he admitted, I mean, in, in that own way, he admitted that, that that three, you know, the core three of we have of t- over 20 million wasn't working. Um right. And unfortunately, you might just have to wait a little longer. But yeah, but you're not seeing any adjustments from Walton. And players can say, oh, he yells at us privately all the time. Well, it's not doing anything. Right, right. <laughs> like, not having, a, not having still, a direct impact. We're still hearing the same sound bites after every game. Yeah. Let me ask you some. Oh, do you want to? Do you have some, Johnny? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just, gonna, uh, the, just the 39 and 43 Jaeger team uh, the year fun. before he got fired. Uh, that roster sucked. Uh, if you look at that roster, give give Luke Walton that roster. Tell me how many wins he has. 30. He has twenty seven. He has twenty eight. <laughs> he, he he's not going to win thirty nine games with that roster. No. Uh, you know, and then I mean, yeah, losing Malone was horrible. Uh, and but getting Jaeger, I thought was positive, and I thought he really did as much as he as he could have with with that roster that was either he had young players that weren't at their potential yet like fox or he had you know i mean we're like shumper got traded and we're like oh my god it's a tragedy that guy was was, he would have been it was and that's how bad that roster was because he wouldn't have played 10 minutes on any other team that was sniffing the playoffs so yeah, it was. And Bagley had his best year that year, right, his rookie did. year, coming off the bench, coming off Dave the Yeager. bench, right? And that was like Yogurt. the whole thing was uh, you know part of the reason for the firing. And it was like yeah. that was your best year. That was the best year, and it worked. You got the most I, out of here. 
I'm going to ask you a couple questions here, Johnny. But first, I'm going to backtrack real quick because it, it, you speak about Mike Malone. It, it will always blow me away, obviously, that they had him and they let him go. What blows me away more is that was the first thing Vivek Ranadive did as owner. He hit it out of the ballpark with that hire. You, I mean, you really can't do better than that your first go around as an owner in a league hiring a coach. I mean, you look around other owners, what their first moves are. They usually go back and they're like, well, you know, I learned there. You know, I can't do this. Or I shouldn't have hired that guy or I shouldn't have made that trade. That was that was an A+. Plus. Yeah. And then he just shit on it and, and let it go, you know, within two years. It's it's just – it makes it worse is my point, um, oh. which is what we need, right, to always make things that are already terrible even worse because that's <laughs> the backbone <laughs> of the – That's the king's way. Yeah, it's the king's way. It's what we do best. Commitment to excrement. Um, <laughs> how uh, – do you think how far? Gee, how do I want to phrase this question? How much longer do you think Walton's going to last? How much longer do you want him to last? Well, uh, I, I never root against the Kings. I, I want him to win every single game. But, um, no. but you know, if there was a side effect to losing, and the side effect was was Walton getting fired, uh, I, I'd be fine with it. But the Kings will never cease to amaze me with because the next coach. You can't just fire another one. You got to get the right guy or gal. You know what I mean? Yes. So, you know, this next one's got to be good or we're in a worse position than we are currently. And I think Mm -hmm. Kings fans are keenly aware of that. So although I want Walton to go, I fear what's next, you know? Do you have what a coach? Doctor, what jazz band could Dr. Right, could be next? Right. What could happen? They're like, you know. Jill will not do this until he gets fired. Um, but do you have people in mind that you would like as the head coach? You said she. I am a huge Becky Hammond fan. Yeah, Becky, I would be I would be really into Becky Hammond. I, I would I would be uh over the moon for that would Becky be great. Hammond to get a shot with the Kings. Um anybody else? Yeah, I mean uh his name escapes me, but the uh, there was that assistant from Toronto, you know, that uh, I can't remember his name right now. Under Nurse? Yeah. What, hmm. was, his, what was his name? Yeah. Jill? This is a Jill task. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I was always a fan, too, of the Boston Celtics assistants behind Brad Stevens when Stevens was there. Yeah, the, I mean, at least they the had col- a great bench. It's, that, it's that, that culture of good coaching, you know? And, you know, Walton, it's not fair. It's not fair to look at him as a Kerr guy because that roster, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it was when he, when Adrian Walton was Griffin? there, it was a, it was a cheat code. Is that who you're thinking of? Adrian, Adrian Griffin. Griffin. Yeah. Adrian Griffin used to yeah, play yeah. for, used to play for the Bulls. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I, I I don't want another kind of retread, you know. No, uh, of course not. But it, at the same time, part of me is like, who could be worse than Walton? And the Kings will find him, you know. <laughs> That's if, very if, true. If there's somebody worse, the Kings will find that that person. So uh, I don't want Walton here anymore. But I'm I'm also afraid of what they would replace him with because I yeah, know but- how how they do things. You would hope that McNair obviously is the one, the sole person making the yeah. final decision there. But we don't yeah. know that. You know, I have my list ready, so I'm. I'm just I know you do, Joe. I'm, I'm excited. And I know Becky Hammond's probably on it. Um, I think the storyline no of, of Becky Hammond <laughs> coming to Sacramento would be great because they're just already such a progressive uh, franchise. Something that even Vivek's, you know, mismanagement you can't erase that from what he's done you know he, he's pushed this team very much into the future and how they operate on every front so they then yeah. have the first woman head coach in major sports that's great and she's obviously qualified there's no yeah. question more she's than that, yeah way more qualified than luke walton has ever been to coach a basketball team yeah right. ever that's what's yeah. crazy to me if gasol's telling you to hire i would i would put my money on him no she's fantastic <laughs> she is fantastic uh um, yeah and i don't think i don't think vivek is a bad guy. I like, oh, no. I like him as a person. I think he's, I think he's cool. And I think his ideas about, uh, social justice, I agree with, uh, almost always. I just think he's not a good owner, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you don't have a, 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 an owner that makes the right decisions for your basketball team, 
it gets sticky and it's been it's been a a bad how how long has you been there now? Eight, seven 20, years. Twenty thirteen. Eight. Eight yeah. years. God, it's been a it's been a rough eight years. A lot of <laughs> weird meddling, and you know, I'm so glad the Kings are still here. But God, sub what, the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? What do you think the next move is? Was my other question. Where, where do they go from here? Other than Walton and the coaching change that is potentially going to come. What like is there a trade? You are you a Simmons fan? Are you a, a fan of getting rid of Buddy and Marvin as quick as possible? Like, well, you know, I thought, but I think Buddy's played real well, honestly, for for this new role he's in, and playing out of position literally half of half the time he's out there. Uh, but you know, you look at a, you know, you get rid of Walton. That's that's one thing. It doesn't cure everything though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the roster's still weird. Um, I do like Simmons. And I see a lot of people, a lot of Kings fans are like, I like Simmons, but I really wish he could, he was, you know, a knockdown shooter. And I'd be like, if he was a knockdown shooter, the, the Sixers wouldn't be trying to trade him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if he, was, if he had that too, he'd be one of the five best players in the whole league. You know what I mean? So Very true. Uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, Simmons is Simmons. And I think he helps the Kings in a lot of ways if he's on the team. Um and I think in a in a weird way, him as a small forward that can kind of he and Barnes could kind of alternate like who's guarding who. I think it it makes them a better team, even if you had to trade Fox for him. I think uh, I think it, I think Sim, Fox or Simmons. I think the Kings get better. Uh, okay, honestly, and that, that's my opinion. I like Fox, but you know we're fifteen games into the season. And the Kings seem to operate a little bit better when he's not out there. And that's starting to become a concern for me, you know, uh, which that's not what you want out of your max player. You know, you, you don't out of your max player. You don't want uh, the team to look a little bit more cohesive when he's not out there. And uh, I'm still willing to, to let it, let him work it out and let the team work it out. But 15 games now I'm a little I'm starting to get a little concerned so yeah I uh I I, I will say Monty McNair is, is a man that's probably not afraid to just hit like go nuclear hit the red button <laughs> right. and just blow it up I, he doesn't he he came in and made the promise to Vivek I'm gonna build this team around De'Aaron Fox however do I think that would stop Monty McNair from shipping Fox to get Ben Simmons no then I don't think Vivek would middle in that because I think he would love to have Ben Simmons and that would alleviate or uh, elevate Damian Mitchell, Davion Mitchell to the starting lineup. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen that could come off a trade like that. That does excite me. I will admit it, Johnny. Now that you said it and I didn't say it, I could just say I'm playing off of what you said. Right. Uh, I agree. I don't know. I We haven't touched about Fox for Simmons specifically, Jill, I don't think. We try to not mention Ben Simmons actually if we can because it goes down this incredible rabbit hole. Um, well, if we don't want to mention Ben Simmons, no, 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 no. There, there's other people. There's other people I'd, I I'd like more. No, no. So, I mean, but that's you know? that's kind of the the one out there. I mean, that's the one name that everybody knows is out there. So, yeah. I, I mean, mean, I, think I I'm you're... still like, yeah. We heard about the whole uh, whatever that report was about Detroit and them. I mean, I still think that they should try. And, I mean, if that really was something, you make that a three team deal. And you try and work yourself in there and you take Simmons, you send Buddy out, Detroit sends sends Grant to the Sixers, you send Bagley to Detroit with a pick, like they drop right. money, they drop salary, we get them, we're not giving up That'd be anything great. totally crazy. Like, I mean, that's a pipe dream, but I mean, like, if it ever got that low, I mean, I would laugh if like that's all that they accepted from Detroit and like that was it. Like right. out of all this, like if right. that's how it ends. The whole time um, they're like, we just want a Jeremy Grant. I mean, there's got to be ways like, <laughs> I, I mean, say, yeah. like I would be fine with that, but it, it just seems weird. Like if you're throwing him on top of like Tobias Harris and like, other, I don't know. Right. Um, but I mean, if you could work other pieces into it. Um, yeah. I mean, and then there's but, the whole philosophy of like, okay, so like, let's say McNair makes this, the decision. Okay. We're going to, we're going to part with Fox. Okay. Don't stop at Simmons. Start sniffing around. There's 100%. a market. You know what I mean? Yep. 
so you might end up with with something that you want even more. You know, you didn't even know about. Yeah, right, right. You might unearth so, something. Right. Well, and just getting even if you did do Fox or Simmons, like you can't just end at Simmons. You like you still have to work from there too. Right. Um, that it's like that's not going to be the fix it. Right. <laughs> like there's right. so many other you know as we said issues. Um, right. Roster, right. But so, yeah, I mean that could be step one, but I don't sending know. Sending out Fox obviously doesn't make doesn't fix the team's problems. No, that no. just right. shows that you're willing to to just destroy everything and try something different, which we're all reaching the point where we're like, why would we not do that? Why why are we thinking <laughs> what we have is working? Because obviously it's not. Right. Um, uh, yeah. Which is personally my belief why you don't wait on the coaching hire because or coaching switch, excuse me, coaching fire. <laughs> yeah. let's see something someone else handle this for just a little bit before the deadline at least and then make a judgment there be like okay this team really can't win with you know even a different voice even though it's just going to be alvin gentry that's something different you can answer that question is it really luke walton completely or is it just this roster is terrible i think it's a mix of both but right. what are we waiting the, the whole thing like if they keep losing then they're going to fire walton if that's what you're waiting around for then just they do need it to now. see two more right. losses is, yeah i mean what did that tell you that you didn't already know yeah right. Here's the thing. Best case scenario, the Kings are what, you know, sniffing 10th or 9th, you know, even Maybe. if things start going real good. Uh, I think, you know, real good for them is probably, you know, 10th or 9th in that plan. Uh, but it has the potential to go real bad. You know, like it ha- we have 30 win potential. All it takes is Hell yeah. the slide. Yeah, Keeps we're sliding. down to 39 after our last game, according right. to Cleaning the Glass, based right. on our numbers. <laughs> it yeah, went from so, 40 to 39. <laughs> yeah, go the wrong way. Yeah, the, I think the the ceiling is is low, and the floor is increasingly like the depths of Hades. It's an so, impressive floor. In the depths right, right, right. It's it's <laughs> so. Uh, I think at best the Kings are looking at, you know, maybe one in 40 games and a lot of stuff has to go right for them to do that. So it's concerning. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. But no, do you know what's funny though? It's like what happened last year? Like we had heard these same kind of things. Oh, like, will he stay really go? But all that money Remember, like, that's when we first started hearing back. The money was with the first losing streak. Right. Like, Oh, well, you know, like there's still that question of, you know, instead of like it, it was the same kind of time frame and the same kind of article where it was, he's on the hot seat, but there's money. Like someone still was willing to throw that story out there. Right. right. Regardless of, of, of a firing happening. Um, what's going on this year. We get, we have a week of everyone's on the same page, all of this stuff. All of a sudden they start losing again. Some random person throws that story out again. Ooh, yeah. he's on the hot seat. And what happened last time? Did they, did they, we all thought they were going to lose right. to good teams. And what did they do? Right. Yeah. They ended yeah. up going on the winning streak. And then, yeah. and then like, but nothing like, but it didn't prove anything. Right. Like it was a fallacy. Like it, we're still seeing the same kind of patterns with this team. So, I mean, I will honestly laugh if, cause we're all assuming they're going to keep losing based on the teams they're playing. If right. they go on a winning streak and then it's like, oh, he's not on the hot seat again. And then they have another losing one. Like, are we just going to see the same cycle? Right. And, again? It, I mean, and it, it doesn't really matter who the Kings play. Like I, I've stopped caring about who's good and who's bad because it, that doesn't matter in Kings land. It, no. it, 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 it's one of those things where they could win seven out of eight. And then the next time I come on the show, you know, the Kings are, uh, you know, 13 and 10 and we're like, so should Walton get an extension? You know, like the narrative can change so fast. So uh, yeah. being a Kings fan is uh, just a goddamn worst. Yeah. Um, someone's got to make, just make that a poster or, or a bumper sticker <laughs> yeah, or something. Put it on the jerseys. My thing, that's my thing up there right now. I know everything happens for a reason, but like this yeah. is regarding Kings fan. Right. What the fuck? Like, Right, right. You can't tell me all of this is happening for this? a reason. Yeah. yeah. Why does God hear my prayers? <laughs> Sent so many every day, ignoring all of it. Walton is impressive. I, I like to I like to say that he's impressive with how inconsistent he is, as you were just saying, because he can and he has win or lose nine games, 
as a head coach and then just as quickly win seven straight. It's yeah. like, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing? Are you blacking out and just like waking, like coming to you like, holy shit, how did we do that? And right. then immediately losing it again. Like it's almost like he's it's by accident somehow that right. he's just he's his prayers are getting answered and they just yeah. not he doesn't just keep praying. So then they, they go back to losing. He's not a good coach. He's just he's not he's not praying. a smart guy. Yeah. And, well, like a I nice think guy. he's a fine assistant. I mean, I think he's perfect. Terrific. Like, he knows basketball. I mean, like, I don't friendly. think anyone can doubt that stuff, right? Like, he know. I mean, the dude knows the game. Cool. Um, no doubt. But some, some, co- some assistants who go to be co- like, it just doesn't work. And then you go back and have lifelong careers as assistant coaches. I right. mean, that would be my guess for what he, what ends up happening for him. Maybe someone else will give him a chance. Steve Kerr. But I, I very much think that he will you know, could easily lay on a bench somewhere and be perfectly fine. Right. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted it's just out. not here. I tweeted out the other day out of frustration. I was like, uh, Luke Walton is a terrible coach or something. Just something very just succinct, true frustration venting. Right. And somebody on Twitter is like, uh, okay, then you try to coach the team. I'm like, well, no, I'm not qualified. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't mean I want to coach the team, dummy. Right. I, I, mean, I mean, I want something else. What a counterpoint. I love right. people. Those are trolls. I mean, they really are. Yeah. Well, you do it right. then. That's yeah. not my point. Yeah, and to me, like you're seeing something like with Griffin and the Pelicans, right? Like you can see people succeed in certain places and then completely fall on their face in others. Like right. it's not going to work everywhere. It's happened to, to Thibodeau. Like it's happened to Mike D'Antoni. And then he went and won coach of the year like two years after. Right. Um, like we've seen people excel in some places. Like sometimes it's just not the right fit. Like, right. And that's all That's all there is to it. Totally. Funny you say it de- Like, I mean – Funny you say Mike D'Antoni because that guy could be on a list. Uh, it is Monty McNair. We're talking about a rocket guy. He might be um, on and then the look, list. I mean, he's the, he's an advisor with the Pelicans right now. Like, is he? A, he might going, actually be on the with, list. With no, Willie yeah, Green. He, like he's a coaching advisor. I mean, as his first. It's a um, weird. There's weird things going on over there. Coach. Yeah. What is uh, What is Rick Adelman up to? Does anyone know? Is he up to anything? How old is uh, his son? His son's coaching. I know. Yeah, I know. David. Uh, right. Is it David? That would be great, actually. I mean, I don't even know if, how qualified David is. I know he's been an assistant for he's, a little bit. He's, he is. Under Mike Malone now, too. So that, I mean, there's he's a lot qual- of... He's more than qualified. A yeah. lot of storylines going on here. Um, yeah. You haven't Mike figured Malone, it out since... Mike Malone, his two biggest last year that he tried to pump up was Wes on self, and yeah. David. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. There you go. Maybe he's on the list. We, we he, don't know. Let's similar to like what Becky and them do, like he takes over coaching duties when, when he's ejected from a game so right. I mean, oh he's the associate head coach yeah so i'm gonna start like doing what west used to what well, like what west used to do um david does so right. start doing research on david allen 40 years old he's young oh and he went to jesuit i guess that isn't surprising um cool yeah i'm gonna add him to my list i'm just gonna start a list i haven't started a list but yeah. he's like a west he's just been around the game forever right go ahead like, and add I mean, me to the list guys grew up Sam. in it that's what that twitter guy is asking you to i'm to, on the i'm on the list I don't think you could do much worse than Luke Walton, if I'm being honest with you. You might not. You might, <laughs> you might, you, I might not. I mean, he, he, it's just, if you look at what he did, obviously he played, but in terms of like right. gritting, grinding his teeth and, and earning it in the coaching ranks, he didn't do that. He, he right. was an assist. And that when people do the whole, well, he was 39 and four with the greatest team probably to ever step foot on a court. Right. He right. just had to get out of the way. And Completely that's what he different did. than trying to, turn teams around exactly Exactly. i mean it's he's shown he can coach like teams that are filled with great i could coach a team with good talent like steve steve kerr there's a certain kind of coach that can take like your average rosters and you know get them to 500 (laughs) i don't care what mike milan it happens every year in the nba you have 500 teams going to the playoffs right like they figure it out or dave um Steve Kerr is not – this is just a quick aside in case any Warrior fan happened to listen to this podcast. Steve Kerr is not a good head coach. He just has Steph Curry. And as has been visibly shown now, when he doesn't have Steph Curry, he has no chance. When he does have Steph Curry, shake the man's hand. He's terrific at coaching. It do you, does do you, I mean, to help. Yeah. I mean, am I lying, Johnny? I mean, shit. I think Steve Kerr is awesome. And he was a, a lethal three-point shooter in his day for – Obviously, the, the the dynastic bulls of the 90s. Yes, Joe. Your microphone is off. 
Sorry, the dogs were barking. I will say, like, there are things that he does, and whether it's him or his staff. Like, without Steph Curry, they were still a top-five defensive team last year. Mike Brown. With all those role players. Yeah. I don't think it's Mike Brown. But Brian. I will just say – um, but I'm just saying, like, that there are things that he was able to get – True. That staff was able to get out of that team without a star. Yeah, I think Steve Curry's a great coach. It doesn't happen but... here, right? Like, that's yeah. – you think he's a great coach? I, it's just a lot easier when you have Steph Curry. Yeah. You know? Life's yeah. easier. Like the NBA is better with Steph Curry and yeah, life as a franchise. Culture too. And they yeah. just and the Clay's gonna come back in a couple weeks now and everything's gonna revert back to like twenty sixteen. Uh the mm-hmm. Cavs are also kind of good now, somewhat. So And uh, as a big Fox fan, I would still say if you got Curry instead of Fox, I bet the Kings are over five hundred right now. Yes, I you know think that I, mean? I think that Luke Walton would look a lot smarter if he had Steph Curry. Right, right. Uh, so tonight, let's let's talk a little bit about tonight's game, and then we'll move on to the to the Jill's water cooler uh, on this Friday show. Uh, we didn't even talk about the Kings on Wednesday, but that's okay. I don't think we really want to live in the past. They lost by ten to Minnesota. Uh, I don't think anyone needs the bleh. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we, we usually review the games, Johnny, yeah. but like recently, what's the point? Am no, I purposely was... trying to be sad? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, having Marty, a, I'm having a good day. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I'm going to ruin it right now and talk <laughs> about the game. Uh, so, no, they play the Raptors, who just played last night. Uh, we're playing, I mean, very a la Kings. Played a really good first half against Utah, and then the wheels kind of came off in the second half because Utah's obviously a fantastic team, and Toronto mm-hmm. lost. Were they in? They were in Utah, obviously. They, I don't think they were in Toronto. That would have been a farther trek for them to Sacramento. Um, but it's a back-to-back for Toronto. They're 7-9, and nine, which is where the and Kings no are trying OG. to get – and they have yep. no OG or no Precious. Uh, Precious, do you know how to say his last name, Jill? Chuya, something like that? that. Yeah, it's close. That's my best guess. I just um, call him Precious. I like that. I think that's fun. Precious. Like Cher, you know? I was going to say yeah. Shua, so. That's a Shua, name. sure. Sounds right. Uh, but yeah, they're a little shorthanded. Uh, Scotty Barnes is great. He's good, I, I, very uh, good. Raptor fans have already forgotten about the Suggs or Barnes controversy. It's, Scotty Barnes is the dude. He, he He's a really fun player to watch. Um, and then they have still, yeah, of course, Fred Blaine Vliet. Gary Trent, who Vlade Divac deemed not worthy of keeping God, in 2018 <laughs> after he drafted his teammate Marvin Bagley in the first round, is now one of the better young shooting guards in the NBA because yeah. that's just how things go. The uh, Kings didn't need a second-round pick, didn't you know? They didn't need any more young players. They were a that's super team just yet. to us. You know, and we didn't have a first round pick the next year either. And we were told we didn't need that one either. We were just ready. Oh, my God. When you got Justin James, you don't need much. You don't need anything. And Justin Jackson? Justin Justin Uh, James. Give me all the Justins. Any Justin with a J last name. (laughs) The Kings will make sure that you regret. But see, that's how, like, crazy, like, this team was being run at the time. They thought they had enough talent that they actually didn't need. And then for, like, two months. (laughs) We we all look crazy, and Vlade looked like a ma- like a genius, and we're like, "Holy crap, he was right!" Like this team's really good, and then reality set in. Uh, but you it, still need. Oh, I know. Like, yeah, still don't throw away draft picks. Right. You still need we're done. Talent. Like, we're done accumulating to. talent. We're done. I'm exhausted. <laughs> uh, Gary Trent being a substantially better NBA player than Marvin Bagley. Isn't that crazy? I didn't see that coming, but. Nobody did. In, That's in fair. In King's land, it makes sense. It just it the second round pick is Harvey better Forrest, than I, right? so, I mean yeah. that happens a lot in King's history. Isaiah Thomas was the best draft pick in the year that they took. I think it was Jimmer and Tyler Honeycutt. I think that was that draft. Isaiah Thomas was obviously way better than those guys. Yeah. Uh, I bet you haven't even heard Tyler Honeycutt's name, and Johnny, until all, right now. Most of that draft. Well, no, I wouldn't say most of that draft, but a lot of that draft where he was taken last. Yeah, he, he was. That's I true. Mean, surpassed he was last like. I mean, just crazy. Maybe the Kings should only pick in the second round. Uh, yeah, okay, that but could be a thing. That could be. That's yeah. We'll we'll discuss this. Uh, Raptors tonight at home. Black jerseys. Sacktown unis are being debuted. I've told you all because I'm going to be at the game. I'm going to look to try and buy one if it's not outrageously expensive. It probably will be. Although it'll be pretty easy for me to move around this arena because it's going to be empty. Apparently, nobody's bought tickets. Yeah, uh, fuck saw. you, Vivek, um, and the team in general for being terrible. But that's fine. I'll just move up a couple rows. Right. What uh, though, Johnny and Jill? You know, we want to see the team win. What are the What are the keys for Sacramento tonight to beat a relatively good and competitive and very well coached Toronto Raptor team? Johnny, go ahead. You start. Uh, you know, I think if uh, if they can defend consistently, nope. And, 
<laughs> and and rebound a little bit. That's probably nope there. Um, and if Fox can play just okay. Right. You know, that's the thing. I mean, we're burying the lead a lot here, but fact is, if Fox even plays better than awful for most of this season, the Kings are probably 500 or better right now. I mean, all warts and all. Mm-hmm. As bad of all the other things. If Fox just plays not even as well as he played last year, if he plays just sub that, the Kings are still a lot better than they are. Um, so if the if Fox, I'll, I'll go simple. If Fox plays well tonight, I think the Kings win. Okay. I was going to say that analysis is like the bare minimum of expectations. If right. we rebound a little, if we do like, right. that's what right. I mean. I don't blame you for, for, for thinking that way. Um, Jill, what, what do you I'll think? Say, yeah, the same thing I said last game. Set the tone. Value the ball. Or value the ball. Value the ball, right? And we did not do – I mean, we had – I guess a really good defensive team. Like eight turnovers or something. Again, and like we're so, so, again, like – and this is the thing with the Raptors. Another lengthy team, right? Yes, who very lengthy. gets their hands. You Chris know, Boucher. They, um, d- yes. And uh, Siakam's back. Like, they're, even their backup um, – their backup point guard, like right now they have four going, right? It's Fred Van Fleet. Then you have Dragon on the bench, who's kind of like I don't think he really plays. doesn't. Um, but then you have Malachi Flynn and um Delano uh, Banton yes. has been Banton, yes. Pretty good. A um, rookie. Six good. nine point guard. Point guard. Yeah. You could run the floor. And like I mean, his length is crazy when you're, I mean, when you, he's defending you. So, um, again, like, but there, this is a team where I think, what did they say that I think like the average height of the team is like, I don't know, six, seven, six, eight or something. Yeah, that would like make that, sense. Crazy. Um, and so like the opposite of, of us. Right. Um, exact height the anti-kings kings could use. So <laughs> you're going to have to be physical. Yeah. Like you're going to have to give it back and you're on your home court, set the tone. Right, which you've not been doing again, like Jill, you were a- again. You want to keep saving this guy? <laughs> and you got. I mean, you got to see me. it. And coming at home, and all we keep hearing is, "Oh, the crowd needs to be there and give it to us." Like I get it, but we've been doing that for how many years? Yeah, make Ooh. me want to go. Like that. It's like, yeah, you got to show it too. Right, you right. got to show it too. I mean, you're in a pandemic. Some people don't want to spend the money. Some people don't want to go in crowds. Some, I mean, like there's a multitude of reasons. You have to make people want to say this is worth going compared to all of those reasons. Right. So if I'm if I'm going to risk my life to go watch you play, right. be good. I mean, that's like right. That I mean, yeah. So it's it's yeah. They, Jill, they you were a go. fan of Svi, right? Or Svi, uh, the mm-hmm. Russian guy. I yeah. I will never try to pronounce that guy's last name. Yeah, but. He is on the – you obviously understand what I'm saying. No one else will understand what I'm getting to here. But he's on the Raptors. Um, they have a lot of players that I know Jillian Edge is a fan of and has banged the table for the Kings to try and get in the past. Uh, Siakam, as you mentioned, is back. He is not played very well. He, he seems rather rusty, which is understandable. Yeah. Uh, last night against Utah, they lost uh, – they ended up losing 119 to 103 in Utah. Siakam played 31 minutes, was 2 of 14 from the field, yeah. 0 of 4 from 3, had 4 points. Uh, Gary Trent had 31 points. Did they have they said if he's uh, playing he might back not. Backs You're yet? Right. I haven't that's heard a, anything. I mean, that's enough. I don't. I don't know, but that's something for us to watch. I guess it might be actually better without him playing. It Truthfully, seems like right the now. stars are aligning for the Kings to to get lose a win, one. and that always the Raptors, means the Raptors lose. fans are already asking for exactly. him to be traded. <laughs> it's been yeah. a couple games back for him, and they're already asking him to be traded. My buddy that I'm going here. to this game with is a Raptor fan. He uh, grew up in Toronto, and he is done with Siakam. And when I was talking to him about how the Kings and Raptors make a good Hair as like trade partners, and I was uh-huh. like, we could use Siakam. He was like, you can have him. I got to use a center. We could use Siakam. <laughs> you can have Damian Jones. I'll take Pascal Siakam. <laughs> right, right, right. And we'll move along. Um, very nice of you, Canada, for being so nice. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know I said the Raptor or the excuse me the Wolves game was probably going to come down to the finish, um, just because of how the teams had been playing going in. That's what happened. I think this game is going to be probably similar, although the Kings have the advantage of having the day off yesterday. They, theoretically speaking, of course, because as you said, Johnny, it seems like the stars are aligning, but of course, the Kings won't pay attention. They won't look up at the sky. Uh, You should be able to wear them down come the second half. You're a terrible second half team, though, so that kind of counters that out in a way. 
Uh, I don't even know. Like at this point, I've reached the point where I don't even know what to predict with this team because they are rather unpredictable. I just hope it's a good game. I hope it's entertaining. I hope we we can. Fox did have a good game on Wednesday at 26, but no one else really played well. Tyrese had a rough game. Rashawn didn't play well. Buddy Heald got going. And it was the strategy in the third quarter of have Buddy keep shooting threes and hope he just makes them, and then we can come back. Right. It, it, it worked. <laughs> you know, you know, and I, I love Tyrese so much. Uh, one of my favorites. Don't kids. we all? But uh, you know, when he was like chemistry issues, I say check the box score. Here's the thing. You sure? That was one box score. One box score this season has looked looked good for both game. of them at the same time. And the rest haven't. So I'm not sure if it's chemistry or what, but when one of them's on, the other one's off. And uh, there was another backcourt that I that Kings fans were excited about way back in the day. I'm going to predate a lot of people's memories. But uh, they tried to pair Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf with Mitch Richmond. And talk about chemistry issues. It did not go well. It was one of those things where one night one was good, the other night the other one wasn't good, and most nights the team wasn't good. So uh, I'm going to give they, it another 15 games, see where we're at after, you know, about 30. But part of me starting to think maybe these guys aren't going to play very well together, and that's uh, concerning. Yeah. I won't totally go. Fair. Totally fair. I'm not going to touch on that. You're 100% right. You did outdate me very much. I know who Mitch Richmond is. I've met him. A couple times. Um, very good dude. But, yeah, I don't know the other guy. Did uh, the other gentleman, did he stay on the team after Richmond was shipped off? Two years. He played for two years with the Kings. 95, okay. 96, 96, 97. And uh, I think they won 38 games one of the years he was here. And then 34 games maybe the next year. Uh, but a hell of a score, a hell of a shooter. Could distribute a little bit. Couldn't defend a lick. Sound familiar? Uh <laughs> It's, uh, and, uh, yeah, just never kind of, but, you know, bad roster still, you know, yeah. you can't expect I know, to win too yeah. many games. I know you've seen him in Richmond clips and you just probably didn't even realize it. Oh yeah, yeah. probably. You know what I, mean? like, I know, I know you've seen him. Yeah. Thank you for backing me up there, Jill. I, uh, I was born in 98, so don't, don't come at my, come at me here. Okay. <laughs> I'm wearing, I'm wearing my J will Jersey. I understand that era of Kings basketball. That's worth remembering. It's like, that's where we are right now. We're in that era of Kings basketball. Well, for the past 15 years. It was years. before you were born. You're forgiving. No, it was. But yeah, I'm yeah. saying like this we era of basketball, slides, yeah. I'm never going to like expect someone to remember this time of tragedy for the Sacramento Kings years from now. And, you know, oh. like, you don't remember Bano Utrecht and uh, yeah. John Brockman, uh, Brockinator yeah, or whatever yeah. his nickname John was. John Sammons. Bano Drano and uh, Brock, Brockness Monster. The Brockness Monster. Thank you. That was <laughs> It's such a good nickname. You don't remember those guys? Those were classics. I'm like, no. Uh, thank God you don't know about that. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's get to the piece de resistance, the the Jill's water cooler. And so, Johnny, I don't know if you've heard one of these before, uh, if you've tuned in long enough in our episodes to, to hear them. But Jill is brilliant. She always has good stuff uh, to share with us. And so that's what we're going to do here. I'm excited. Jill, I'm excited. I'm okay. always excited for this. Have either one of you guys heard about the NBA referee travel expense, expense scandal? I haven't heard, and I'm excited to hear <laughs> No, I should get a shorter title for it, but yes. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) I'm kind of going to give you the lead early here, and then I'll go into the background and the investigation, all that. So an internal revenue service investigation nicknamed Operation Slam Dunk began (laughs) in 1994 surrounding untaxed income of at least 43 NBA referees regarding downgraded first-class or or full-fare coach plane tickets that were paid for by the NBA, with the cost difference being pocketed by the refs without reporting it on their tax returns. So, in 94, the NBA employed 54 referees. Each of them, so think about this, in 94, each of them made between 72 and 177,000 a year. Okay. Okay. That sucked. So working about 70 to 75 games a year. So not, not a bad, bad job. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> the travel expenses for referees were to be reimbursed by the NBA once a travel report was submitted. So the NBA paid for a first class airline ticket for flights lasting longer than two hours and then a full fare coach seat on um, flights that were anything less than two hours. So like if you're traveling you know, within California, Oakland, or to Sac, on the East Coast, like, right. Coach. So anything under two hours was coach. 
In turn, the referees were permitted to downgrade from first class to coach and pocket the difference. Mm -hmm. So this was considered a fringe benefit of the position and a way to supplement their income like they were already here. Like they needed it. (laughs) (laughs) So the NBA did not withhold taxes on this income or report it to the IRS, and the referees did not declare the income on their tax returns, considering it, again, a fringe benefit provided by their employer. So... This is where the referees give their stories, or at least some of the referees. So they say in 1989, IRS introduced new regulations that required an arrangement for fringe benefits supported by the NBA to be reported as income. So they're saying in 89, the IRS is saying in 89, they made this known, right, that you had to report these benefits you were getting to them. However, during that same time that these regulations were brought you know, forward, the NBA and the referees were going through a lockout in their bargaining period. So um, they are saying that during the negotiations, the NBA changed the rules frequently, which is which resulted in them all being unclear of the process. Um, and that caused many referees to continue the benefits as they had in the past without, you know, reporting it. Well, if you take their word for it, okay, if you listen to some of the referees that have been um, charged, put away, and and back now are saying that they work specifically with certain travel agents. They knew exactly what they were doing. They gave her kickbacks. Like I mean, there was other things. So people believe whoever they want to believe. But just, yeah. So in 1993, the IRS received a tip that the referees were not declaring the airline ticket money as income resulting in the IRS launching Operation Slam Dunk. Again, so it's a rat. Yeah. On on September 20th, 1994, IRS announced its investigation and notified more than 50 referees that they're a part of the criminal tax investigation. The estimated cash received ranged from anywhere from 8,000 to 100,000. Wow. Wow. Like during that. Yes. It's a huge range. 8,000 to (laughs) 100,000. So, well, yeah. Um, I think because some were hiding it and others, like I said, worked and did it like some people okay. are only kind of um, bad yeah, yes so over the next four years the cases grew and dragged on resulting in 25 referees being turned over to the irs civil division to be audited although the amount of lost tax re- revenue did not reach irs guidelines for criminal prosecution the u.s department of justice still decided to indict 12 referees so here comes the aftermath 11 of the 12 referees um, indicted in 1998, pleaded guilty with only Steve Javi, you might recognize the name, mm-hmm. taking the case to trial, and he s- was successfully acquitted. More mm-hmm. referees would become involved with a total of – so he was able to show that I guess he didn't know. Like somehow he was able to prove he was not one that was like working with the travel agent and, you know, doing all that. So he was acquitted. More referees would become involved with a total of 43 choosing to plea bargain. Those 43 might have been working with that travel agent. The only additional referees to take his case, the only additional referee to take his case to trial would be Ken Maurer, another name you might recognize, later found guilty. So where Steve Javi was acquitted, Maurer was later found guilty. So all the referees involved were forced to resign from the NBA, but were subsequently rehired after their guilty pleas. Terrific. So, notable consequences. Jesse Ray Kersey pled guilty in 97, was sentenced to three years probation, ordered to pay $20,000 fine, and file accurate amended tax return and pay all taxes back with interest and penalties owned. George Tolliver pled guilty to one count of filing a false tax return, one, and was uh, confined to six months of um, house detention, house arrest, placed on probation for two years in order to um, complete 100 hours of community service and pay a $10,000 fine. Steve Javi was only one to take uh, his case to trial out of the original 12. He was acquitted more than four years after the investigation began. He argued that he didn't owe taxes on more than $84,000 in income over three years because the money was value earned from frequent flyer miles. Okay. Which are non-taxable. All <laughs> the, right. IRS case, the IRS case was cross-examined and put under much scrutiny when asked why only some of the referees involved were indicted and questioning inconsistencies um, uh, submitted as evidence by the IRS. Ken Maurer 
was the only referee, again, to be found guilty when he refused to accept a plea bargain. Maurer was convicted of a felony, three counts of tax evasion, and one count of obstruction of justice. He was confined to house arrest for five months, three years of supervised release, and 800 hours of community service. After the sentence, Maurer remarked, I'm not saying a mistake was made. I'm not saying I've never made a mistake, but I never intended to commit a criminal act. I stood up for what I believe in. That's the only way I know how to live my life. After the punishment was served, Maurer is reinstated and continues his NBA referee career. Yeah, let me wow. speak for I'm gonna speak for everyone here and just real quick say fuck Kevin Maurer. I think everyone yeah. can agree there. Yeah. Uh, can, can I can also just say that uh, I think it's funny the NBA who's there, there's been multiple weird scandals with uh, NBA NBA refs and it's like yeah they're gonna be dishonest and weird off uh, off the court but we expect them to call games fairly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, correct. Yes. And so okay. anyone listening, if they want to know more about this, I first heard about it in that whistleblower co- um, podcast. And then I decided to look up more about it. But if you want to hear um, like from actual referees themselves um, and FBI agents and all that, um, again, listen to that uh, whistleblower. Uh, Joe's giving a lot of free advertising podcast. for so. them. They're yeah. good. I need to I'm give telling them you, like, it, yeah, it was, I know. It's, a, it's like eight episodes of crazy stories. <laughs> Wow. I w- yeah, I have to check it out. I wrote I it mean, down. And a bunch of them, like, I mean, the affairs, like, there, I mean, there's all kinds of, like, shady, shady, shady. Yeah. Yep. If, you, if you want a scandal, this is touches on what you just said, Johnny. If you want a scandal, just go find an NBA ref. Right. Just ask there, him questions. That's there. There's something there that shouldn't be there. And it, it's right. so yeah. true. What a what a corrupt system. Really? Yeah. And complain about- yeah. And what's crazy is a bunch of them, like, how it started, a bunch of them were all from, like, one town. And it was like, oh, your dad was, uh, and then your grandpa was, and it's, yeah, it's, um, and it, it's like good old I boys. Say, outside of, is it, it's either New Jersey, Philadelphia, some, you know, one of those like bigger East Coast. Ken Maurer looks like he's outside from the of there, and why like a lot of them had um, questionable like mafia ties. I mean, there was all kinds yeah. of stuff. Yep. Yeah. Ken Maurer has his hair slicked back. <laughs> it's an, that's a mafia member right there. Man slicks his hair back. You got to be suspicious just a little bit. So true. <laughs> What do you think of that though, Johnny? She's 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 good. Oh, that's she, amazing! I love it. Yeah, and and now I'm going to go investigate myself. Do yeah, next time you come on, on the whistleblower podcast. Yeah, it's uh, it's always been you know I'll, I'll always hate NBA refs for uh, taking the one chance at an NBA yep. title that I had as a fan. Uh, I'll I'll never get over it. I, I really won't. I'll never get over it. Nor should uh, you. And. Uh, and the fact uh, that I always hear that NBA refs are the worst people just validates my opinion on the uh, the yeah. 2002 uh, Western Conference Finals. So, yeah. yeah, Scott Pollard speaks on it, and it just makes you sad because, like, hearing it from the players' point of view, and then he talks about like all of them and their com- you know the convos in the locker room stuff. So, like, it's ju- I mean, well, Scott Pollard sucks to hear it again. Like, just right. I mean, he went on to win, you know, but yeah, he was like during that time, like you know, we thought it, and then he said they were all just sitting on the bench and they knew like they knew I'll call it to class act. Like and that's the next level. They could do. Good yeah. dude. Oh, terrible. Uh, trying to go against Shaq too at, at his, at his size comparison, which anyone guarding Shaq, of course, doesn't usually go well, but uh, mm-hmm. I always just watching those old highlights. I'm like, look at that. Look at him. Give it everything he has. Like Vlade mm-hmm. matches up, matched up decently against Shaq. But yeah. I'm Scott, glad I could give you one you hadn't heard of. Yeah, that's great. I love that. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I haven't got one so far um, that you've given us. And uh, I, I do urge you, Johnny, to go. And, I, you know, if we, we've touched back on it quite a bit because it just blew my mind. Just go. I don't remember what episode it was, but maybe Jill can just share it with you. The She did a water, water cooler about how NBA originally was in the beginning. This is the one I'm just like, it's still on my mind of how they played. And in the early 1900s, in essence, it was a cage match. They literally put them like in a cage and just threw the basketball in there. And they're like go nuts, and no it's not, yeah. <laughs> there's like there was the one rule was there are no rules. So, oh wow, yeah, that story just sticks with me because I'm like, God damn it, what a crazy time! Just that whole era too, the early 19th, early 20th oh, yeah. century. For out of bounds, it was the first. For out of bounds, was first person to like touch it in the stands. Like they had to yeah. run into the stands and like oh, wow. grab the ball. And so, and because so many people, there were fights and people getting hurt, they ended up putting caging it off, making a line, went back away. That's yeah, they had, guys, listens- they had guys um, stacking on top of each other to get to balconies, like take the ball. I mean, it was nice. oh wow, sounds like how we anyone that w- basketball in the neighborhood. 
Yeah, exactly. It's street rules. I grew up in South Sac. Anyone that uh, has listened to our podcast thoroughly enough, they they're like, are they still talking about this? I'm sorry, but I'm not because it's also but just it's still crazy. It's yeah, it will never not be crazy. Uh, well, thank you, Johnny, for joining us today. Oh, we so appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Please go see Johnny tonight. I would. I honestly would, man. If if I wasn't going to be at the game, I guess I could technically go to Harlow's at nine thirty and see you perform. Uh, or Luna's at eight o'clock tonight. Any other upcoming things you want to hype up while you're on with us? Oh yeah, at uh, uh, New Year's Eve, so December thirtieth, the thirty first of January first, I'll be at the Sacramento Punchline, uh, doing a whole uh, a whole week of New Year's shows. So Hell yeah, come out, come out to those. Those will be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And listen, Thanks, you're. Podcasting. I, I haven't read any of things you write, um, but I, I just know I'd find it quite amusing. I, I just there. know you write the way I like to read. Like it's just like <laughs> it's a whole stand-up <laughs> sh- sh- skit in writing. Sure. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Johnny, uh, for joining us today, Johnny Taylor Jr. Jill, thank you. Thank you as always for being amazing. You guys have a great weekend. Let's get that dub. But then again, if it doesn't, if they don't win, I mean, who cares at this point? Let's just get Luke out of the building. I it's a win-win. Think of it like tonight. that. They lose tonight. I hope they fire Walton. There we go. At, at halftime. At ha- yeah, just don't even let them leave the you arena. Actually, no, kick him out of the arena. I don't know. They should have left him in Minnesota, if we're being honest. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. You guys have a great rest of your day. Yeah.